Hey everybody, C-Note here, and welcome to Super Myers Briggs to Rui X, the show that is leveling up typology one function at a time. I'm still working on that, but I'm getting closer. There's like something there with the tagline. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, I just wanted to, before I get into what today's show is going to be about, um, I wanted to thank you for listening to the show. We've had 2,000 listens all time so far, which is amazing. Thank you so much. And uh, I just want to keep continuing to do this. And uh, I love talking typology as in as it relates to personality. And, um, you know, leading it all to my Brand Blaster course, which you can check out at bit.ly slash Brand Blaster. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about the double-edged sword of introverted thinking, which sort of speaks to my personal um, expression of where I am with my development with introverted thinking, but also sort of, sort of generally the trouble that can come from it, right? Um, that, that a lot of people experience. So this is mostly for the TPs and FJs in your life who have introverted thinking in their cognitive stack. And um, for those of you who don't have that, you can still listen to this and still enjoy it and still learn about that because really a typology is all about learning, not just about yourself, but other people. And that's really the goal here is to open people up to the idea that like other people tend to think differently. And I think that is also a problem of introverted thinking. So we're going to talk about that after the theme song. Let's hit the button and do the thing. Thanks for listening to Super Myers Breaks to X. Let's go. Okay. All right. Welcome to the show. This is going to be a fairly quick episode, probably 10 minutes or so, because I've got uh, Molly's kids coming soon and I want to kind of mentally prepare for them. They are wonderful, but they're, it's a lot of extrovert energy. Molly is an ENFP. Her kids are most likely at ENTJ and ESFP. And it's just, it's a lot of loud. <laughs> it's a lot of loud. Um, so while I love it and can usually keep up with it for a good hour, then I just crash and uh, we've got another four hours to go, right? So it's it's it can be a challenge, but it's a good time and I, I love hanging out with them. Um, but uh, I actually picked up, first of all, this is a little bit of a PSA because if you have the opportunity to pick up the Personality Hacker book that's titled Personality Hacker, uh, you should absolutely go check it out. Any, no matter, regardless of your type, or if you're learning type, or you're really interested in doing it as a hobby, or even doing it as a means to help coach people and stuff like that, I think even reading the preface, like the first chapter or two of this book, is going to, for me, it was it was a bit of a um, uh, an affirmation as to my path with Myers Briggs and utilizing it in a way that um, is 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 really thoughtful and I'm trying to do it in a way that is like considering all of the possibilities right and I think there is an issue with some of the type community using it uh, as a stereotypical fun and um, I think the way that type is going to be taken seriously is if we take it seriously and I don't mean not having fun with it but I mean like like not using misinformation, putting out misinformation and being very careful and thoughtful about it. Right. And I think this preface of the book really allows people to think about it in like, okay, there is a lot to this and we need to treat it as if there is a lot to this. So that's why I recommend anyone read the book. They've really, really thoughtful uh, descriptions of all the types. And it's really just a wonderful primer to get into the 
sort of personal growth space, right? Because it's more than just Myers-Briggs. It's more than Enneagrams. It's more than other type models. It's about learning how to consider people's individual context, which is what I want to talk about today when it re- in regards to TI or introverted thinking, or if you're following the personality hacker car model, they use the term accuracy, which I think is also a really great term for that. Um, and if you're a, a TP or an FJ, you're going to have this in your cognitive stack. TPs are going to have it as their dominant. And um, uh, for introverted thinkers, uh, they're going to have it as their dominant. And ETPs are going to have it as their secondary. And um, the IFJs are going to have it as their tertiary. And the EFJs are going to have it as their inferior function. And basically that means is as it moves down the stack, it's going to be less notable in your personality, meaning it's going to less show up less naturally. Or if it shows up naturally, it might not necessarily show up in the healthiest way. And just because you are uh, predisposed to have this function as your dominant or secondary, for example, it does not mean you are necessarily good at it. And I want to do episodes in the future that sort of dive into the goods and bads of each personality type to kind of show a little bit of like what healthy a healthy version or an unhealthy looks like. Um, and really, that that's what this episode is about, right? Because an unhealthy version in its really most succinct way, an unhealthy version of introverted thinking, an ISTP or INTP, is going to show up in sort of a know-it-all kind of fashion. And they're going to really subjectively look at their own world as they're, they're going to treat their own world, their own subjective thinking as an absolute, right? That um, and I've experienced this when I was younger, that I would think that just because I thought something or something felt like a no-brainer to me, that it was a sign of the lack of intelligence to other people. So if I was, if something seemed like an obvious solution to me and somebody else did not yet pick it up on it, or they had a different kind of solution that like, you know, revolved around emotional uh, resolution or something like that, I would instantly discount it or dismiss it as and not viable because it was not my exact solution. Right. And I think that is a problem that a lot of introverted thinkers have, uh, when they are developing this function and really that click really happened for me and has happened for me really only in the last few years. And it has happened for me in a way that is about understanding the subjectivity of introverted thinking, understanding that logic is not truth. Logic is a way of deducing truth. Logic is a way of deducing all of the things that are not truth so that you're left with the truth. And I think the problem that happens early on with a lot of introverted thinkers is that they are determining the truth amongst data instead of removing things that are obviously not true to be left with what's true. Right. And I mean, if you want to pontificate that on all you want and and play with the whether or not that is actually true, <laughs> which is fine. Um, I think in most cases, it, it, that is the case, that we are good at being the gods of destruction in testing people's resolve and making sure that people are not just going along, especially specifically INTPs, are not just going along with what everyone else is doing and making sure that like we're not living in this world of of cognitive dissonance and biases, right? And I think the power of really growing introverted thinking is being aware of your own biases and attacking them. Because I think most of the time when we're younger and really the first, I don't know, for a lot of us, the first 30 years of our lives are spent 
attacking other people's cognitive dissonance. And I think a lot of types do this in relation to their dominant strength, right? We will attack what we know about us that we see in other people, right? (laughs) And we see the flaws in other people that are actually the flaws of our type. Uh, if that, if that makes any sense. (laughs) So the introverted thinkers will tend to make judgments about the entire world and saying like, why is everyone crazy? Why is everyone not like me? When there are plenty of things, plenty of faults, plenty of cognitive dissonance or dissonai, (laughs) um, within, you know, our own personality that really growth for us happens when we start to turn the gun inward and we start to say like, oh, okay, there is something really within me that I need to consider that I need to grow as a person that just because I want this doesn't mean that other people want this or other people should want this or are good at this, right? I think introverted thinkers, we have this ability, this capacity to take in a ton of information and tend to think that other people should also be able to do that or that because we can do that, we have, you know, we can develop a sense of um, elitism around that when we can't have, you know, a lot of us who are introverted thinkers don't particularly have like the most kinesthetic intelligence, for example. And like, does that make us any less intelligent than others? So why would we have to treat others as less intelligent if they aren't intelligent in the way that we're intelligent? Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully that made sense. You know, so judging others for the way you judge yourself is just not accurate and not correct and not a good way to approach life. And you're going to have a lot of cynicism around that. Right. And I think the beauty of both an INTP or ISTP is, is really, again, leaning on that secondary function of finding a way to get out into the world and experience things or to have experiences where you're working through ideas and big picture stuff with, uh, with groups of people. The the latter is for an INTP, the former is for an ISTP, right? And how that manifests in other um, personality types is going to kind of dwindle as you go along. And, you know, really it's, since I wanted to talk about ISTPs and INTPs first, because we lead with that. And um, for us to effectively start to use that is to acknowledge our subjectivity and to move forward in life without use making harsh judgments about other people, but really thinking about how that affects us and making our adjustments to what we need, right? And not making judgments about the rest, the way the world should be, right? And uh, the vice versa would be true for like an ENFJ that uses introverted thinking as their inferior, that they are typically using their sense of community as a way to sort of show their intelligence or to gather information to kind of help people. Right. And they're not going to necessarily always have the best grip on that because it's the, it's their inferior um, function. It's not something that's going to be very strong in their cognitive stack. So they need to make sure that they're not necessarily relying on it in any kind of way, but they're listening to it as like a beacon for what they want individually what is going to give them their sense of individualism. And that kind of falls through the other types, right? Like an ESTP or ENTP in their secondary with introverted thinking, like using it as a way to kind of check in and, you know, make sure that they are taking time to slow down and think about things and realize that like, okay, what I just did there was probably not the best idea or what I did there was great. And we should do more of that. Right. And really checking in and, 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 figuring out the next solution for an INFJ or an ISFJ using it as their introverted, uh, their, their tertiary function 
and uh, but making sh- and making sure that they're like occasionally just checking in with it in relation to their secondary function, right? Like so, if they're using their secondary function of extrovert feeling and getting into a place of being uh, focused on community and stuff like that, that they are going to be they have to check in every once in a while, once in a while with that tertiary function of introverted thinking to say like, okay, am I just going along with the group or the pack or, you know, am I considering my individualism amongst all of this as well? And, you know, again, as you start to go lower into the stack, it's about sort of checking in with introverted thinking as opposed to um, just, you know, being in that space of having, of being cold and being distant and being, solely logical right but to check in every once in a while and say like okay when everything's quiet and there's nothing else going on and i'm not thinking emotionally what comes out and how can i work with myself because really that's what introverted thinking is is like this back and forth you have internally of how can i work with myself to make sure that i am that that everything makes sense right and makes sense as objectively as possible but um, understanding that that subjectivity is always going to be the case. Like we have biases, we have um, emotions, we have traumas, we have all sorts of things that need to be considered. And that objectivity includes that, <laughs> which is kind of crazy to say, but it really does. Um, you have to, you have to include all the data and this perfect picture of, of objectivity just simply does not exist as much as we want it to, as much as like that perfect quote unquote clean data Um you know, is like this beacon of like, ah, oh, we just want everything to just make sense. Uh, it doesn't fully make sense. It might make sense in like a moment, but the moment's always changing. Things are always adapting from today to tomorrow to the next day. So the adaptability and subjectivity of introverted thinking is going to be incredibly powerful for anyone who's using this as their introverted thinking. And how that differs from extroverted thinking is typically being able to play with data versus looking at an absolute piece of data, right? So if you have an, an, an FP or a TJ in your life and you're an introverted thinker, learning how to adapt to the way that they think is going to be important for you to have a, you know, better communication with them and for them to understand you as well, um, which is good if you're a TJ or an FP listening to this, to adapt to the idea that like introverted thinkers are playing with data a lot of the time. So to not take everything they say to be verbatim or to ask for clarity if you're unsure if what they are saying is absolutely verbatim. And I think that is important also for a TI, uh, think a user, the TPs and FJs in the other side of it to make sure that they are clarifying information if they are unsure of something and not just taking it for face value or not just saying like, okay, or, or not making logic leaps and assumptions based on what somebody might have said. And if there is any tinge of uncertainty, you should ask. And even if you feel like you're certain, you should just ask. <laughs> you should just clarify, just just to be sure. So, you know, that was a lot. And I understand that I threw a lot at you. And I did that because I don't have a lot of time. But the idea here is, is that if you're unsure of a lot of things that I was talking about, I really just want to plant seeds of curiosity in your brain. Because if you go to supermbti.training, there is a beginner's course that really talks about the dichotomies of Myers-Briggs, the letters, the four-letter code that you've seen or heard about. I talk a lot about cognitive functions, which I don't talk about in the course fully just yet. But then this podcast is really all about diving deeper into cognitive functions. And I'm going to be working on a cognitive functions course likely early next year. 
Not really sure yet. Still working on a schedule for that. But right now I've been working on my brand blaster course, which is all about translating typology, your personality into creating a brand and then learning how to market and using typology to find your ICA, your ideal client, and then learn how to get sales. So if you go to bit.ly slash brand blaster, you can check that out. Or if you'd prefer to stay on the Myers-Briggs train, you can go to supermbti.training and learn about all of that stuff, which is like a podcast style course. Go check that out. That free that course is free. There's an advanced course that is a little bit more money. Um, that is mo- more money, and um, you know there's an INFJ course that is accessible as well, and other things. So um, check that out. Let me know what you think about that. Let me know what you think of this episode. Anchor.fm/slash/supermbti. You can hit me up at Twitter on it or Instagram at supermbti. Let me know what you think. Let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to call in. All that good stuff. And that's it. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Hey, thanks for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. We're going to help you with Myers-Briggs and all that fun stuff. And uh, if you want to jump straight into the advanced course, go to supermbti.training. You want to check out my other shows, go to dopamine.life for mental, my mental health podcast. And you can go to cnote.show to check out the media podcast. So if you love this show, go to anchor.fm slash supermbti and leave some love, leave a review, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. And uh, most of all, thank you. Thank you for listening to Super Myers-Briggs Turbo EX. Okay.